0: Okay, this morning if you'd turn in your Bibles to Luke 15. You look at the son lost in rebellion. Luke 15. All right. There may there may be nothing more moving or more stirring than a good redemption story. Uh Hearing of how someone who has it made, who has it all, and then really throws it all away because they uh, make some bad choices in their lives, they're down and out, and then they, you know, they confess their sin, they turn back to God, and and God blesses them. Um, you could even say it, this is when a villain becomes a hero. Uh, we love second chances, and. Uh, New new beginnings, transformation, redemption stories. And, and that's kind of what our text is about this, this morning, as we look at the parable of the prodigal son. Um, when I think of redemption stories, I think of uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind is the story of, of uh, John Newton. How many of you have heard of John Newton? Some of you. Yeah. He, uh, he lived in the 17, he was born in 1725, so a while ago. I apologize. i thinking of the wrong John. Name. Oh, you're thinking of the wrong John. Yeah. That's kind of a common name. So, <laughs> But he, he lived in England about 200 years ago. Uh, his father was a merchant ship captain. And by the time John was 11, his mother had passed away, and he lived at sea with his dad. And by 18, he was enlisted in the British Royal Navy. Uh, he was a soldier, and he, uh, but he deserted and was found and kicked out of the Navy. Uh, and he was sent home on the, on the next ship that they could find, which happened to be a slave ship. Uh, and he realized during that time, hey, this is a way that I could make some money if I become a slave ship captain. Uh, you know, get involved in the slave trade. It'd be easy money. He could make quite a bit of money. And that's what he ended up doing. And at age 23, during a bad storm at sea, he puts his faith in Christ. And he he trusts Christ as Savior. Um, and he begins to grow spiritually. And, you know, he, for many years, though, he he did captain a slave ship that went from From Africa to the West Indies, and just really a terrible thing to think of slavery. And here he was one of the ones that made it possible. Um, But in time, his poor health made him have to stop sailing. And he kept growing in his faith. He began. He began to see that slavery was evil, and he uh, eventually became a pastor in England. And there was a poet in his congregation. And together, they, they wrote many poems and hymns. Uh, in fact, that's how most of the hymns uh, started. They started as poems. They put, put the music. But his most famous poem that became a hymn, you probably heard of it, is Amazing Grace. You know, he, he, he wrote this. You think of his story being uh, you know, involved in the slave trade, being such a terrible person, uh, a wicked sinner. And here he trust Christ and he's changed and later on as he's a pastor he becomes an abolitionist in England as well and joined up with William Wilberforce who was in Parliament and uh, in 1807 when John Newton died he he died just nine months after Parliament did they did abolish the slave trade so he he was able to to see that end so just a, a neat story there a real life story Uh, the transformation, the change that can happen through the power of God in someone's life. And he can use you as well, uh, if you you allow him to. But here, as we look at this passage in Luke 15, this very well-known parable, perhaps the most well-known of all the parables that Christ ever spoke. Uh, The parable, it's usually known as the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, As you look at it, most people do focus on the first son, the prodigal son, the wasteful son, the rebellious son, and they forget about the fact that he had an older brother who was not very great himself. Uh, so and there's just so much in these verses, I decided to, uh, to split it up into two sermons, so next time we'll look at the, the older son and what things we can learn from him as well. But today, we're going to look at the first part of this this parable, which is the—I've call it the—the uh, the lost son, uh, uh, the son lost in rebellion. He was rebellious. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and read this text together, uh, starting in verse, starting in verse 11 of Luke 15. Uh, and he said, "There was a man who had two sons." But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this your son, this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Wow! What, a, what an awesome story. Let's go ahead and pray and ask for God's blessing here. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the word of God. We think that it's inspired, it's authoritative, it's infallible. We can trust it to be right and accurate, and we can, we can always learn more about you and what you expect of us. And we just pray today as we look into the Word of God, and we look at this parable, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would help each of us individually to see how we can grow spiritually, what decisions we need to make, how to become... Uh, more like Christ, how to please you. Lord, I just thank you and praise you. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to to say what you'd have me to say. Lord, I pray we would focus on Jesus Christ and salvation through him. And we uh, just pray for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, Amazing, amazing parable. Remember last week, we looked at the, uh, the first 10 verses of Luke 15. There were two parables. Uh, and so there's three parables in this chapter. And uh, there was the parable of the lost sheep. Remember the, the shepherd had 100 sheep. One was lost, and he left the 99 to go find that one. Uh, and then he celebrated. And then the woman who had the 10 coins, and she uh, lost one. And she sweeps the house and and finds the coin and and has a celebration and Here then we have the parable of the lost sons uh, who who are different yet both both were sinful, both had their issues and concerns, both things we can learn from but the first point this morning uh is the reckless son. we see this in um, the first portion of the, uh, the passage, but I, I call it the reckless son, because according to ESV here in verse 13, um, it says he, he squandered his property in reckless living. Uh, reckless, or uh, other, other translations say, you know, riotous living, or prodigal, which means wasteful living, or, you know, other versions say loose or foolish uh, that, that's really what characterized this this younger brother. Uh, he was reckless. We see how he lives it up. He does whatever he wants. Not caring who he hurts on, on the way. Uh, it, it, as we have read through this, we see that he breaks his father's heart. And, his, his, uh, and he betrays his father. He betrays his brother. Uh, and there's just a lot of consequences that... that come with sin. Uh, first letter A is his d- demand, his demand. In verses, verses 11 and 12, uh, we see he demands that the father give him his share of property. We see that there in verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me, <laughs> give me. Uh, not very humble, but he, he, de- he demands it. Uh, now, he wanted what was coming to him. Uh, now, generally, the inheritance, an inheritance was passed on to the next generation when the father dies. So here, for the son to say, Father, give me my share of the inheritance now, he was, in, in, in essence, saying, Father, I, I wish you were dead, because I want my money now. You know, there couldn't be anything more unloving for a son to say. Uh, it's a violation of the fifth commandment uh, to honor your father and mother. You know, here he says, I don't care anything about you, dad. I just want my money. Uh, and that's, that's, that's what happens. Wishing his father was dead. Now, the amount here, we don't know specifically. And, of course, this is a parable. It's a story he's, you know, Jesus has made up to illustrate a spiritual you know truth but here he says my share of the property um, and it's not just money he gives he doesn't pull pull money out of the bank and just give him his portion this is property this you know there there could have been you know buildings uh, land something that you know there were things i think the idea here is that had to be sold and then the money that came from that he he would be able to take so um, you know, that's, that's the idea. No, no regard is given for the father or the brother and their well-being or their need of those properties. Uh, just, you know, the younger son wanted what he thought he had coming to him. Now, there's a lot of danger and risk here. Uh, now, if the father said no, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's culturally not accepted. I have not passed away. Uh, if the father said no... Uh, There's, you know, the risk of, you know, the the son being even more uh, hateful in in opposition toward his father. And just, you know, the relationship to just, you know, go go even worse. Uh, I like what Dr. MacArthur said here. He said, um, you know, the risk toward the son. Here he says, normally a son who shamed himself by making such a request would have been publicly shamed by his father, perhaps disinherited, or possibly even dismissed from the family, or considered dead. (laughs) Those are some serious consequences. And here this brother, this son, says, Father, give me. Give me. And he's risking all this. Uh, he, He could even be risking his own life. And then there's the risk if the father says yes, uh, as he did in the parable, the older brother could have demanded his share as well. And had he given his share to the other brother, he would have had to probably sell every building and house and land. And he probably wouldn't have had it. You know, the father wouldn't have had, had, had anything to live on uh, in his final years. You know, there, there's a serious risk here. Um, but this, this brother only wanted what was his, um, he wanted it now so he could do his own thing. Um, you know, we see this mindset in our culture now, uh, you know. I get to choose who I am, I get to choose who I love, who I hate, what I will do. It's all about me. Uh, we're kind of in a me generation. Uh, And that's, you know, the scene in this first son. Uh, The second is his depravity. And look at verse 13. Not many days later, now I think, uh, you know, it says that because there was some time that needed to take place for the the possession or the property to be sold and for the money to be given to this greedy son. Uh, But not many days later, some things happen here. Yeah, he... He gathers his things. Uh, verse uh, 13 also says he traveled far away uh, into a far country. Now, here Jesus, as he, as he gives this parable, he is a Jew. He's in Israel. He's talking to Jews. And for him to say, here, this person, who in their minds, they, they think he's Jewish, you know, this boy, this family, so to go away to a far country, he's leaving Israel, he's going to some gentile land, which the Jews, they despise the gentiles uh, and would never consider living there, uh, going into to, to gentile lands. And the reason is to, you know, to hide or to get away from his father. He wants to just do whatever he wants with no accountability uh, to be, you know, just get to run. Uh, and and that's, that's what he does. And then he squanders his property as well in reckless living. What he did was bad. And, and how he did it was even worse. I mean, As you know, as we read this, way down verse 30, toward the very end of the passage, the older brother is explaining to his father just how wronged he thinks he is. Uh, but he says the younger brother devoured your property with prostitutes. You know, just, you know, in the worst possible ways, he just squanders the money and just wastes it and, you know, very, very depraved. Uh, You know, we we see this in ourselves, you know, in our sin nature. We all have a sin nature that is, you know, we are prone to disobey God and to do what is wrong. Uh, We naturally, just left to ourselves, we desire what is sinful, you know, It's easy to look down on this brother here, on this younger son, and to say, well, I I would never do something like that. But we all have a sin nature. We easily could do something like that. Um, We do what feels good to us. We do what naturally is hateful to other people. Um, And we, you know, we see this in our culture as well. How, you know, a a wild, sinful lifestyle seems to be be our right. You know, just do anything you want. And nobody can tell you that you're wrong. Uh, so he's d- depraved here. And then his destitution, as, as the story con- continues to get worse here. So he goes and he, he squanders his, his property or the money in reckless living. But verse 14 to 16, we, we see that sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. You cannot get away with your sin. You know, we are deceived by the, by the devil if we ever think that, hey, you know, I, I can just do anything I want and nobody will know. No, the, God sees everything. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. Uh, he sees what you're doing. He sees you right now. He sees you when you're in secret. Uh, some verses here in Galatians 6-7 the Bible says do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap if you sow if if you live a a sinful life if you make sinful choices and decisions you're going to reap those sort of consequences that associate with that Hosea 8-7 for they sow the wind and they shall reap The whirlwind. Uh, Numbers 32, 23. Here, uh, Moses says, You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, Your sin will find you out. Uh, The son, he sows his wild oats. He goes and does his own thing, and he reaps all sorts of trouble, as we see here. It's not a coincidence. Sin has consequences. Every, Every sin that you commit, has consequences, and it will be paid for. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we see that here. Sin may seem fun for a season, uh, but the consequences are worse than you can believe. Uh, I, I like the saying, I'm not sure who, who originally said it, and you probably heard it, but sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Uh, that's true. Uh, unconverted people, those who don't know the Lord, they just, yeah, they may be living it up and, and seem to be having fun, but deep down, I don't think they can really be happy. Um, there, there's no real hope or joy in, in their lives because they're separated from God. Um, they, they don't know God. The Bible talks about that. It says in Isaiah 57, 21, there is no peace, says, says my God, for the, for the wicked. There's no peace for the wicked. In Proverbs 13, 15, the way of transgressors is hard. The way of transgressors is hard. If you live a sinful life apart from the Lord, doing your own thing as this son did, yeah, you may get to do the things you want, but your life will be hard. It will be difficult. There will be relationships that are broken and consequences of sin that you didn't foresee. Uh, the way of transgressors is hard. So what, what happens? And we keep going here. The snowball keeps uh, rolling downhill, keeps getting bigger. Um, 14, he, he, he says when he had spent everything, so he runs out of his money. Okay, so he's living it up and he runs out. Uh, and by the way, that's just an example of when you're living in sin, uh, you don't think straight. <laughs> yeah, he should have been smart and, and knowing, hey, I'm going to run out of money. I ought to change course. But he, he didn't care. Uh, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the land. So then there's a famine uh, here in the parable. And now he's, he doesn't have money. He doesn't have anything to eat. He can't afford anything either. Uh, and you know, prices would have gone up for food. Um, and then in verse 15... An intriguing verse here, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, uh, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Now, remember the audience here. Jesus is giving this parable to the Jewish people. How did they view swine or pigs? Unclean. Unclean. I mean, they despised pigs. They were unclean. They were ceremonially unclean. They were were off limits. Pigs were unclean, totally off limits. They were despised as animals. You couldn't, you know, they were. It's not part of the diet. And so here for him to say this, well, I guess it made sense. They they heard this this boy was doing everything wrong. Yeah, it makes sense he would he would go be with pigs. Uh, and then it says there, in verse 15, he hired himself out to one of the citizens, or he joined himself to think the King James says, to one of the citizens of that country. Uh, and the idea there is, you know, here he has nothing, but he's still too proud. He doesn't want to go home yet. And he, he finds somebody who at least maybe is a little bit better off and who has animals. And he, he begs and he says, is there anything I can do to have food or to earn some money? And, and you know, the... One commentary I read talked about this, saying how you know the, likely this person, this owner of the pigs, was so annoyed with him, and they said, no, I don't want you to help, I, I don't want you around, but I guess if, you just, if you're just going to cling to me and just never go away, I guess I'll just let you go out with the pigs, and you can feed the pigs, and if you find anything to eat, you, you can just eat that. Uh, just, I guess that's, that's the idea here. Um, and he kind of latches on to this man. Um, now, it says there, uh, as we go on there, the, verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. Now, you know you're in dire straits. You're, you're, you're in desperation when you're out there living with the pigs. I mean, that, that's terrible. But here he has nothing to eat, so he naturally wants to eat at least what the pigs are eating. And here it says the pods. Uh, that the pigs ate, or the husks, uh, and Bible scholars think this is talking about the pods of the carob tree. They're they're inedible for humans. <laughs> so here, this this son is so desperate. Uh, he he wants to at least eat something. He sees these pigs eating these pods. He doesn't know we can't. Di- digest them, but he probably gets the, gets the idea after a little while. Um, <laughs> he, he he's just oh man, he is he's he's you he couldn't be any worse off. Uh, things keep getting worse, and he he's working probably not making any money, uh, but this this owner just allows him to live out there, and he he's begging for animal food that he can't even di- digest. Uh, so here we see the consequences of sin. He he lives it up. He does what whatever he wants. And nothing turns out right. Um, and it says at the very end of verse 16, and no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. You know, I think when he had money, when he showed up in town, just loaded with money, he probably had all sorts of friends, right? He probably had these fair-weather friends who... Uh, you know, just close to him. And now that he had nothing, now that he was living with the pigs, they deserted him. They, they, they were nowhere to be found. And now that he had need, no one gave him anything. They were long gone. Um, so we see his despair. That's our next point, verses 17 to 19, his despair. It says there, but when he came to himself... He came to the end of himself, and there is a point in our lives when we must come to, 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 you know, to, to, the, to the end of ourselves, we must realize there's nothing more I can do i The only place to look is to look up and to look to God, and that's that's what he does. He realizes his life can't get any worse, and he's, he's living with the pigs and he It's rock bottom. You know, a man must come to himself before he comes to God. We must understand that we are sinners. We are condemned. We are guilty. Our sin sentences us to hell. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Every sin has to be paid for. And unless you believe in Jesus Christ, you will pay for every one of your sins in hell for all eternity. That's the teaching of the Bible. But... Christ died on the cross to pay the punishment of your sins, so you, so you don't have to. Um, but here, you can't be saved until you realize that you're lost. And here he, he comes to himself. He realizes, I'm lost. I'm dead. I'm, I'm spiritually dead. I, I, I need help. And until you realize you need God's help, you really can't be saved. So his despair, Um, so technically though, he was living free. He he had freedom, he was doing what he wanted. It didn't turn out like he thought it would, but he, he was free, but he realizes, hey, back at home, my father's slaves have it better than I do. I mean, at least, yeah, they have to work, but at least they have plenty of food to eat. They don't have to live with the pigs. You know I've lost the right to be a son, he thinks, so at least i 'll go back and just beg to at least be one of the servants i don 't want to eat uh, the pods anymore and live with the pigs, uh, but he 's broken over his sin he 's ready to be rescued um, and we see we see his return here um, or his departure, I guess if you want to use another d uh, word there his Departure. But he, I, I love verse 20. Look at what it says there. And he arose and came to his father. He arose and came to his father. Now we don't know how far this was. Of course, this is, you know, that's not the point of the parable, but he humbles himself to the point of going home to his father, who he has basically said, I wish you were dead. He, he hated his father, he only loved himself. Um, now, the father, the heartbroken father, was, was probably watching out his window every day looking for the son to come home. Didn't know if the son would come home, but praying, I'm sure, that his, his wayward son would return. And in verse 20, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father was looking, and he sees a long ways off. He sees a little movement hey that 's my son uh, what what happens well, from our earthly point of view what what would be the natural response of this father if he sees the son who despised him <laughs> would he I mean, first of all, he probably wouldn't have been watching for him. Uh, he would have ignored him probably wait, said you know i 'm going to wait till he gets here and i 'm going to punish him again or i 'm going to um, or I'm going to say say you know, say I told you so, uh, or reject him and say just get lost. You you got what you wanted. You you're not a son of mine any, anymore. Uh, no, that's not the response of this father. The father sees him a long way off, and the father saw him and felt compassion. And that's the kind of God that God is. He he is a compassionate God. He wants he wants us to come to him in saving faith. He. He loves us. He, he feels compassion, and he runs. He runs to the son and embraces him and kisses him. That's, that's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's who our father is. That's who our heavenly father is. The son didn't even, he didn't even say anything yet. And living with the pigs, just imagine how he smelled. <laughs> Here, he, the father runs to him and embraces him. And kisses him, just welcomes him with open arms, and uh, there, there's no rejection here. If you come to God through Jesus Christ through saving faith, you are accepted. And, you know, God runs to you and embraces you and kisses you and says, "Welcome home." Um, that's the type of God that we have. Totally unexpected. Um, the Bible says in Psalm eighty-six five. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Uh, and that's, that's who our God is. He's waiting for you to come home. Yeah. And I think that's one of the main points of you know, the first part of this parable here is that apart from Christ, we are that prodigal son. We, we live in sin and we hurt others. Yet our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to be humbled, and to come home. Um, God's waiting for you. The Bible says God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, this father de- des- desired for his son to come home. He desires for you to be saved and to, and to come home spiritually. And the son, you know, he had been practicing. I guess I looked over that a little bit in verses 21 to twenty. Uh, no, back to 18 to 19, he had been practicing up a, you know, what, what he would say to his father when he saw his father. He says, I will rise and go to my father. I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, pause there for a moment. Wh- whenever we commit a sin, whenever any one of us c- commits a sin, it's not, we aren't just sinning against somebody else. We sin against God. We sin against our Heavenly Father. We sin against heaven, as it says here. Uh, there are dire consequences. And so he says, I've sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He had probably been going over and over this in his mind. This is This is what I will say. When I see my father, I will say this. Well, he... <laughs> You know he's seen by his father. The father embraces him. All this stuff. Even you know, he hadn't even had a chance to say it yet, and the father welcomes him home. That's grace. Uh, but in twenty-one here we see now the the son has this prepared speech in his mind, and he says, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son." Period. Do you, do you see what's missing there? He had also practiced the last sentence, uh, which was, treat me as one of your hired servants. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't say that when he actually sees his father. Why? Why doesn't he say it? Well, there's a couple uh, lines of reasoning here. Maybe he realizes, hey, this isn't going as I expected. I expected to be re- rejected and condemned and, you know, scorned by, by my father, then I'm expecting to beg. And so he, now he realizes, hey, I'm accepted. Maybe, maybe now I don't have to beg. Uh, I don't have to ask to be a servant because, because I've been welcomed home graciously. Um, and then the other uh, line of reasoning, yeah, similar to the first, but because the father wouldn't even let him. The father wouldn't, you know, he just stopped him right there. Uh, no, I'm not going to let you beg. Uh, the father doesn't say anything about his sin. Um, he doesn't say anything about how wasteful or sinful he was. He, but you know, it's forgiven. Um, he, he is forgiven. Uh, and we see the honor there in 22. The son is honored. What an exciting thing! Um, the father says, "Bring quickly the best robe, and get a ring, and put shoes on his feet." We're gonna honor the son who has come home. Uh, we're gonna have a celebration, a time of feasting and celebration and dancing, a, 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 joyous, a joyous occasion. Um, why? Well, he was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. Now, physically, you know, he, he had always been living, but spiritually, that's what we're talking about here, he was spiritually dead and now is alive. Because he's humbled himself, he's confessed his sin, and and faith. Um, You know, every, every one of us, every human being who's ever been born is born a sinner. And we are spiritually dead. That's the teaching of the Bible. Ephesians 2 talks about that, how we are spiritually dead, but it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we are made alive. Um, People who go all through their lives without ever trusting Christ as the Savior, they start out spiritually dead, and they end spiritually dead, and they go to the place of death that's hell for, 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 you know, forever. Uh, but only those who trust Christ as the Savior, they, they're born again. They're, re, they're regenerated. And now in Christ, we're, we're living, we're spiritually alive, and w- when we pass on from this world, we go to life. We go to heaven. Uh, We go to paradise. So there's a transformation. There's a change here. And that is cause for celebration. That is a joyous reason to celebrate. Uh, But true belief makes the spiritually dead come to life. Makes the lost found. We can only be found in Christ. Uh, So do, do you realize that you can't save yourself? There's nothing you can do to, to earn eternal life by things you do. It's only through belief in Jesus Christ. Um, you realize that you're dead, that you're lost spiritually, and that you have a heavenly father waiting with open arms for you to come home, to come home to him. Um, I trust this morning that each of us will, you know, will repent and believe in Jesus Christ, and, and and ask Him to be our Savior. If 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 you've never done that, um, so the main idea this this morning here. Well, here we actually we have the uh, the second point here, the rejoicing Father. I guess we've been looking at Him all, all already here, but the rejoicing Father who who uh, welcomes him home. But the main the main point here of the sermon is that lost sinners can only be found by Jesus Christ. And Christians need to celebrate God's work in their lives. We have, we have the blessed privilege as Christians to celebrate when the lost are found, when the spiritually dead come to life, um, when God does a work in their lives. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing. Uh, so some take-home truths. This this morning, how, how, how to apply it. Uh, first, come home. If you've ever, if, if, if you have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you are that prodigal son. You're doing your own thing. You're experiencing the consequences of your sin. And life will continue to get worse and worse as you're separated from God. But it's, it's when you realize you come to the end of yourself. I can't save myself. I, I can only come to Jesus Christ. and through, through belief in him as Lord, and he died on the cross in your place, and asking him to be your Savior. That's, that's how you're born again. That's how, that's how you're welcomed home. That's how you become part of the family. Huh. And then, you know, the second, the second thing here is to celebrate as Christians we shouldn't you know, it's so easy to be judgmental and critical uh, especially of people who are who just have come to faith in Christ and say well look at their life they're just they made so many mistakes things I would never do <laughs> we 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 say uh, and we you know we just look down on them kind of like the Pharisees do uh, they're not as good as me no we we ought to just celebrate the change that's taking place—it's—it's it's a wonderful thing to uh, so come home, celebrate. And next time we'll look at the uh, the last part of this parable. And It'll actually be in a few weeks. Next week we have Father's Day, and then Mike Shea is going to speak in two straight weeks. But I think it's in July. We'll uh, finish out this parable. And there's some important things to learn from the older brother as well, things that perhaps you never thought about. Uh, but again, this this morning, if you don't know Christ, I encourage you to find me afterward. And I'd love to just sit down and take the word of God and show you for sure how, how you can trust the Lord as your savior and how, how, you, how you can come home. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this terrific portion of scripture as we see this parable, this this story that the Lord Jesus Christ gave about salvation, about how we are spiritually dead, how we're lost, how we're sinful, how we need to be found. Thank you that through Jesus Christ we we can be found, We we can be made spiritually alive in Christ. Thank you that it's through faith in him. Lord, I pray today if anybody needs to trust Christ as Savior, they would do that. That they would would call out to him as Savior. Lord, I pray that as Christians we would celebrate and see how wonderful it is when people put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's a time of joyous celebration. Lord, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.